today on Ag News Daily. For us to, to really serve the grower, let's figure out a way that we can come to the table with a, a planting system that really focuses in and hones in on their individual operation so they can build it up to their needs. February 6th, 2024. Welcome to the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Delaney hanging out virtually today, but soon enough, we'll be together. Right, Delaney? Well, we've got Commodity Classic coming up in just a few weeks, and we're going to be broadcasting from Houston together, Tanner. It would be interesting to uh, find out if our listeners are going down to Commodity Classic, have them reach out to us, and uh, maybe get one of them to jump on the podcast as well to share their Commodity Classic experience. Oh, I love that idea. Yes. Hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Ag News Daily. If you're going to be at Commodity Classic, we can connect while we're there. I love that. Well, just got a little bit of weather news to jump into. We have more flooding concerns that we talked about last week. We're talking along the Illinois River today. This will likely persist into the weekend as we continue to have snow and ice melts. The river is at 20.1 feet at Beardstown early this morning, well above flood stage, which is 14 feet. So this flooding will continue to happen for quite a while. The, at Peoria, the river was 20.4 feet and will likely max out at 20.9, but flood stage there, Delaney, is 18 feet. So they don't expect it to go back down to those levels until after Sunday morning. We still have dense fog, like we reported yesterday, in effect for some of the states today. We have those advisories in place for North Dakota and parts of Nebraska, as well as Kansas and Oklahoma. Central North Dakota is where it will be the thickest with visibility down to less than a quarter of a mile. That could present some freezing drizzle, making roads and bridges extremely slick. So be careful if you're driving out there in North Dakota. But here in Iowa, we've got a high projected of 51 in the central part of the state with clear skies and the sun out. So it almost feels like spring, Delaney. I'm ready for spring. I know we're only in February, but I'm ready for it. And I think probably farmers are itching for it. I know Blaine is already itching for planting season and that's still a couple months away, Tanner. So I'm guessing other farmers are feeling the same. You know, that's an interesting thought because I know yesterday being out and about, I did see a couple of planters on the road, which probably got guys thinking about getting them into the shop. Certainly is what's on the for the extreme ag guys, Matt Miles down in Arkansas says he's already set his targeted planting date for his soybean crop. Farmers across the country are thinking just like him, looking at potentially planting soybeans first. So he is going to hit that. But as we look at the extreme ag team, Chad Henderson in Alabama has recently been a part of the newly launched Extreme Ag Show over on Acres TV, Delaney. So they're inviting the viewers to go and check that out. States that his crew is fired up for another successful year and is hoping to make those who view their channel successful as well. They're gearing up for corn planting in Alabama. Like I said, uh, others looking to plant soybeans first. Temple Roads in Maryland is focused on working on his planter. So it seems like uh, if your husband's ready to work on his planter, Delaney, the whole Extreme Ag team is doing that right now also. Yes, I know we've got to take the planter in today to get it all souped up for planting season, Tanner. So I'm guessing a lot of other farmers are uh, thinking along the same lines. 
I would agree. Well, Dinner, on a more serious note here, I wanted to take a moment and reflect on some uh, terrible news we got yesterday. The former Iowa Secretary of Agriculture, Bill Northey, passed away unexpectedly yesterday, Monday morning. And uh, I think that's definitely sending some shockwaves through the industry. He was, of course, a very well-known figure in the ag space after serving as Iowa Secretary of Agriculture for many years and then heading to the USDA to serve under Secretary Purdue during the Trump administration. He had a very long and distinguished career, and many in the ag space are saddened or were saddened by the news of his of his passing. Governor Kim Reynolds, the Iowa governor, has also ordered that flags will be flown at half staff to honor Secretary Northey. And many across the industry have issued various statements offering their condolences to the family. Folks on social media have taken to honoring Bill in a lot of different ways. And we certainly wanted to acknowledge him here on the podcast as well, Tanner, uh, because he was a longtime listener of Ag News Daily. I remember running into Secretary Northey when he was still the secretary here in Iowa. I was doing a Iowa Cattlemen's Leadership Program and happened to run into Northey at the Capitol. And I don't remember why this happened, but he pulls out his phone and I noticed he had just been listening to the Ag News Daily podcast. And I don't think at that point I had interacted with him too much, but he knew right away who I was. And he did that, I think, with everyone he met. He knew who you were. He knew your story. And uh, he will definitely be missed in the industry. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And our condolences to all those close to him. It is interesting, though. You can just see the ripple effects of the lives that he's touched due to those condolences being shared uh, across all social media platforms. A very soft-spoken and strong, strongly worded individual, because it seemed like no matter where he was speaking, everybody was in attention. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, we got to share that news today. Heading out on still a little bit of a sour note, California, Prima Wawana, a stone food producer in Fresno, California, announced that they are filing for bankruptcy. With more than $60 million in debt, since the company then has stated it will liquidate its assets. Now, the Fresno Bee reports that the company has laid off 5,411 workers, and now they have the sale of 16,000 acres of farmland on the calendar. The land is projected at $370 million. The layoff will impact an additional 3,743 workers that are considered seasonal as well. So this is an attack on the Federal Reserve due to their high interest rates, saying that they were unable to cash flow their operating note, but they are going to continue to move forward with the liquidation. Following their acquisition, their acquisition of Juana Farming in 2019, it also added a stone fruit breeding business that brought assets from a nursery in 2018. The invested partners are stating that bankruptcy is the only way out. Unfortunately, Delaney, that projected $370 million in assets is not going to cover the $600 million in debt. But if you are in the market for some Fresno area farm ground you can go and be a part of the liquidation auction yourself you can check that out at agweb.com for more information 
Well, Tanner, as we take a look at some Washington, D.C. news here today, we are getting some fresh fodder uh, for the farm bill here. As Congress is saying that one of the issues holding up them moving forward on both sides here has been higher reference prices, which is a key factor to help boost crop subsidies. I got into a little bit of a wormhole yesterday looking through all of the reference prices and how they impact the farm bill, but more specifically crop subsidies. And reference prices are what insurance and policies such as PLC will use to help trigger claims. The overall consensus by quite a few from the Farm Belt states is that reference prices need to be raised as they really haven't been adjusted in many years. And the general cost of doing business for farmers has been increased. Most of the time, a PLC payment does not get triggered simply because commodity prices and the reference prices don't trigger a claim. And so by increasing reference prices, that would likely increase PLC triggers for those that take that insurance policy uh, or that those that take that subsidy policy, Tanner. But that has been one of the main points here of contention that has been coming from both sides of the aisle here about whether or not to raise reference prices. And if so, what is a valuable price to raise them to? But Senate Agriculture Committee Chairman, Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow said that she was open to proposals when it came to effective reference prices, but that couldn't come at the cost of cuts to SNAP or climate funding. So it seems there's a little bit of a quid pro quo going on here in Congress, and they have to come up with a big budget for all of these measures and simply put SNAP and some of the uh, nutrition programs and climate programs, it seems are coming at the expense of potentially doing things like raising reference prices. So it sounds like there is a lot to chew through in Congress right now to potentially get some movement here on the farm bill. Yeah, I almost want to say whatever it takes to get them motivated, let's do it. But uh, certainly more for us to keep our eye on. We're also going to keep an eye on fertilizer prices. We did receive a couple of key comments here for items to watch as we look to where spring prices will come. Rain is going to be a big factor to pay attention to, contributing factor to the supply tightness. Milan, who put this article together, is stating that if we don't get additional rain, it's going to make shipping of the fertilizers difficult. If river levels remain low or if we still have issues with the Panama Canal, although wet springs are not good for planting, it would be better for fertilizer prices. Most people are hoping that there will be a little bit more rain between now and spring planting. But if we are unable to use the river travel, then we have to look at trucking and rail costs. So continue to keep an eye on fuel prices. That might also directly affect the fertilizer prices. Also managed inventories. Another component that could play a role in the market of fertilizer is where inventories are. Wholesale barge prices last year were low. So inventories are higher than they have been historically. There was no incentive to not take fertilizer in on inventory. So that could provide us an opportunity to get lower prices coming into the spring. But right now, if uh, we see shipments stop, that won't have as much of an effect. But if shipments continue to come in, Delaney, that inventory will be a major factor. So for a price outlook, 
those who haven't made fertilizer decisions yet can probably look at starting to lock in their prices now as we don't see a huge slide coming. The only thing that might happen is prices could go up more than likely if we don't see these river travel platforms receive rain. So continue to keep an eye, but as temperatures get warmer, you need to be looking at locking in your, your fertilizer and fuel and as many input costs as possible as suggested by Milan. So wanted to share that there to any a couple of factors that might impact fertilizer this spring. Well, Tanner, the EPA has rolled out some potential new regulations that take aim at the meat and poultry processing industry. The EPA has proposed a new rule as of late January that would be called the Clean Water Effluent Limitations Guidelines and Standards for the Meat and Poultry Products Point Source category. That was a very long title. But in essence, the EPA has published this proposal to try and combat wastewater contaminants that come from slaughterhouses. At the heart of this rule, according to the EPA, is that nitrogen and phosphorus pollutants that originate from slaughterhouses then seep into wastewater treatment facilities or municipal facilities. However, Congress has not been receiving this news well. And last week, we saw two U.S. representatives from Missouri and Kansas pushed back by introducing the Beef Act or the Banning of EPA's Encroachment and Facilities Act. This act is aimed at keeping things in the power of the facilities. And they said that this proposal by the EPA is once again attacking small businesses through trying to overregulate the industry. And through this new act, if it would be signed by President Biden, it would help protect these processing facilities from seeing any sort of proposed rules like this in the future as well. They said that this proposed rule places undue burden on small processors and costs an absorbent amount of money. And some of these costs can be absorbed easily by larger companies. But when you look at small processing facilities or the small to medium-sized processors, they're not able to compete with the large ones on rules such as this. So not sure how this will get through Congress or if it will, Tanner, but I'm sensing a lot of pushback here from the EPA if they try to move forward on this proposal uh, nonetheless. Well, and I found that interesting that it said the, you know, whatever leaks out of these facilities makes it into a wastewater right. treatment plant, which is where it needs to end up. If it went yeah. directly into a stream or a creek, it doesn't get the opportunity to be treated. So uh, certainly I can see why there's some pushback and potential thoughts of overreach. Last thing I've got is just updates from Russia and Ukraine. As uh, I stated yesterday, the connection with Tucker Carlson, the plot continues to thicken because of the presence of US journalist, Tucker Carlson. He is and has been seen leaving the grounds of the Kremlin. So the Kremlin media trying to track his movements coming out of the Russian capital. The Russian state media did report late Wednesday that the car allegedly used to transfer, transport him had been spotted leaving the president's office. So it'd be interesting to see if there's any additional content that will come out of this or if there is an interview or questionnaire to be shared. Around 100 of the thousands Ukrainian staff are refusing to sign contracts with the Russian nuclear company that is looking to provide 
uh, additional support for those that are in control of the uprising coming from inside Russian boundaries. The French radio station is looking to interview and examine those closely related to see where reactors are sitting for status and potentially getting those fired back up and producing nuclear weapons. So we'll continue to keep an eye on what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. But that's what I've got there, Delaney, for my headlines today. Fantastic, Tanner. Well, I think I am out of headlines as well. Aside from taking a look at the overnights here as we head into the opening session, March corn this morning is up a penny and a half at 4.42. March soybeans up five and three quarters cents at 12.02. Taking a look at the wheat complex here this morning, March, excuse me, May, Chicago wheat is up a quarter of a cent at 5.99 and a quarter. March hard red winter wheat down a penny and three quarters cents at 6.12 and a quarter. And March spring wheat down a half a cent at 6.90 and a half. A quick reminder at where livestock closed yesterday. They had a little bit of an ugly day yesterday as April live cattle shed $1.40 to close at a buck 82.35. March feeder cattle shed 205 yesterday to close at 242.75. And April lean hogs this morning will open up on the board at 82.20. Tanner, for today's Tech Tuesday conversation, chatting about the new cornerstone planting system from Precision Planting. So let's turn it over to that fun conversation. Well, folks, for today's Tech Tuesday interview, we are chatting planter technology today with Caleb Schlater, the Director of Technical Services and Support for Precision Planting. Caleb, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Caleb, I got to ask, as the Director of Technical Services and Support, what does your role focus on? Uh, It actually focuses on a lot. So that's a really fancy title that means I get to have a lot of fun in a lot of different areas of the business. So I get to work with our product support team, the team that is helping our growers make sure they get everything they need to get done during the season. They're the ones that uh, have the back of our dealers, uh, making sure that you know, our dealers are, are being cared for and, and educated in the right way heading into spring. And then I also get to work with our business intelligence team, uh, making sure that the data that's coming into uh, precision planting from a from a, a sales side, from a, uh, a marketing side, all of that data is easily read and, and utilized so we can get better, uh, especially on the support side as well. And then I also get to work with our commercial agronomy team, which is collecting information uh, out in the field, actually doing trials that uh, that can educate growers, much like myself, uh, that can help us further our business. So we love uh, we love educating all across the board. And that's I get to do a lot of that day in and day out. Fantastic. Well, we uh, shared your big news on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when Precision Planting launched their newest product, the Cornerstone Planting System. Super excited to dig into that more with you today, Caleb, because I think when you talk about precision planting and specifically planters, it seems like there have been a lot more headlines lately about updates to planting technology. From your perspective at precision planting, what do you think the focus has has been on planters? It feels like more as of recently. Uh, I think the focus is always on the most important pass of the year. I mean, on our operation, the planting pass, we have to get it right. That's what's going to establish our yield potential. And so that's where the desire for more technology and and better precision 
in the field and, and making sure that we're doing it right the first time. Because the reality is we don't get to have a, a second go at it and still hit the full yield potential. If we do have to go out and repl replant, we're, we're actually affecting our yield. And so we are always wanting and desiring to get it right. And so that's where this technology coming to the table allows us to get a little bit better each year. And, and one of the things that we say at Precision Planning is that we believe in better. And I, I truly believe that from an from a organization like Precision Planning, but I also believe that in our own operations. And so like on Schlater Farms, uh, we, we try to get better each year. And really, the planting pass is where we can make a big difference quickly with a with a low, uh, not not as high of an investment as buying go out and buying new iron. So when you look at the cornerstone planting system, what are some of the focal points of this technology, and how does it really move the planting space forward? So I think the first thing uh, that, and it's really not just about the. The planting system itself it's it's really about the approach that we are taking one of the things that i i know about all the growers that i've talked to across across north america we, we all have differences in our operations yes we're trying to achieve certain goals but we have different goals we have different challenges and so when you start actually digging into each individual operation uh, and what their planter is and how they have it set up, it, it's usually really finely tuned into their operation and it's customized for their operation. They start with what comes from the factory and then they they build it over time, much like our operation. We've, we've built it over time to match the demands that we have over our, our varying acres, our, our different soil types, our different tillage practices in order for us to get the best performance. And so when... When you start having that conversation, the cornerstone planting system is actually a phenomenal option because it is a flexible factory uh, system. And, and those two words, flexible and factory, they often don't like each other. Uh, factories like to be super efficient. So that's if I only have to build one thing, that's super efficient. And then being flexible, that that doesn't the factory doesn't enjoy that. And so what we've determined is for us to, to really serve the grower, let's figure out a way that we can come to the table with a, a planting system that really focuses in and hones in on their individual operation so they can build it up to their needs. And so that's what the cornerstone planting system really is, is it's, it's everything but the bar, but you can also cater it and, and design it for your operation for your individual uh, goals and challenges, which I think is, as, as a grower myself, I think that's just a wonderful approach to the business. Now, Caleb, you guys also announced that the Panorama from the Precision Planting now has two application program interfaces that allow for API connections. Dig into that a little bit more for us as well. Yeah, so Panorama, Panorama is really a... a, a a tool that allows you to gain more insight into your planting pass. And so what we, what we want, what our, where our heart is, is we want Panorama to be accessible to any grower and any system that they're currently on. And so by having the API with climate field view and having the API with, with John Deere operations center, 
I mean, number one, it's it's amazing that the the agriculture community came together in order to bring this to the market. So, I mean, from a John Deere standpoint, from a climate standpoint, they are they are focused in on on helping their growers get more insight. And the Panorama API allows us to take some of those key data points from the 2020, those things that that are making a difference for us when it comes to each each season and allowing it to feed into the John Deere Ops Center or Climate Field View where myself and, and other growers can go into their system of choice and see that information and, and be able to now analyze how do I get better for the next season or how, how do I get better heading into heading into my sprayer pass or how do I get better heading into the harvest pass? And so all of these things allow us really to have a, a strong connection that can be accessed by anyone. Fantastic. Caleb, as you look at other technology that precision planting is focused on, I know it's tough to think about what's ahead when you've just released the cornerstone planting system, but what other focuses does precision planting have here over the next couple of years? So I would say for us, we, we love to be innovative. We love to find what is the next challenge that we can we can really lean into and, and understand. And one of those things that uh, that we actually talked about at Winter Conference was the Radical Agronomics uh, platform. So the Radical Agronomics, the Soil Lab and the GeoPress, that is an area that we're really going to lean into more. And, I, and as I look into the future, I mean, we are radically, sorry for the pun, but we are radically changing how we how we approach the soil sampling uh, process and and you know when when you look at the the soil sampling for the past several years or past hundred years really it's it's been a it's been a singular process there's there's been one way of doing it and now bringing in the opportunity to to challenge that norm and say hey how do we how do we better ourselves uh, so we can get more insight more consistency and better information feeding back to the grower so we can lower our inputs and really give the the crop the the nutrition it needs year in and year out that's an area where we're going to see continual growth and i would say i would say even we're, we're not done on planters uh we, we still have more things that we're working on that we're excited about and, and excited to continue to innovate on and then we're also stepping into the sprayer realm with uh, symphony and really thinking about how do we how do we help address the the sprayer market how can somebody who has a sprayer on their farm bring accessible technology and allow them to get better in that pass as well and then and then finally uh, you know we start talking about cedars and uh, strip till units there's a system that we brought to the market called clarity and it gives more insight than we've ever had uh, when it comes to what we're actually applying, whether that's seed or fertilizer uh, or dry fertilizer in the ground. And so like I ran Clarity this past fall on our strip till rig, and it gave me so many, so many examples of, of times where I would have, I would have not applied the appropriate amount purely because I didn't have the visibility. But since I had the visibility with the 2020 in the cab and the clarity system on the strip till rig, I was able to make management decisions, actionable 
choices in the field in that pass in order to make sure that I was applying the appropriate amount uh, that that our rec required of us. Fantastic, Caleb. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, but appreciate you joining in your insight and a look at this new precision planting tool. You bet. You bet. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, always, always passionate to talk about planting and, and all the new innovations that we have coming out at Precision Planting. You know, as a better host, Delaney, I would have known that was the interview for today with all that planner talk, but I can't say that was planned. So I'm glad we got that included with today's show. Listeners, hopefully you found value in that. And we're serious. If you're going to be at Commodity Classic, make sure you reach out to us, right? Absolutely. Find us again on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But Tanner, with that, should we let the folks go for today? Let's let them go.